Never has there been a more exciting time to be alive. A time of rousing wonder and heroic achievement. As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where are we going? We don't need roads. From Chicago, this is The Unenthusiastic Critic, a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. When was I ever excited about watching it? Remember when you were excited? I was never at any point excited about watching this film. As soon as you mentioned it, I believe I said, I don't want to watch that. Please don't make me watch that. What is your issue exactly with the movie? All of it. Its existence. Which part? All of it. That was fucking awful. I'm angry. I'm so angry at you, Michael. I never hear anyone quote these things except for you. These things that you keep trying to introduce to me to kind of connect me to this apparent conversation zeitgeist that I'm missing out on is really just about you and your weird friends. It's not universal. Any uh, final words? I'm not doing this anymore. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, against her better judgment, is my lovely wife, Nakia, otherwise known as The Unenthusiastic Critic. Hello. Unenthusiastically. Yeah, you sound very enthusiastic. (laughs) So, in a few minutes, Nikki and I are going to discuss her first viewing of a movie that nearly everyone else has already seen. Robert Zemeckis' 1985 sci-fi comedy, Back to the Future. But first, since this is the first episode, I think we probably should talk a little bit about how the unenthusiastic critic came to be. It started life in prose form as an occasional series of articles on my website, unaffiliatedcritic.com. And it really came from the fact that the entire time Nikki and I have been together, which is over 12 years now, I have been saying, I can't believe you have never seen (laughs) such and such a movie. There are movies that I assume everyone on the planet has already seen, and somehow Nakia you haven't seen any of them. This is true. You admit it. I admit that. Well, I may argue with the whole, these are films that everyone on the planet has seen. I would maybe argue with that a little bit, but that, okay, fine, sure. So a few years ago when I launched the the website, I thought it would be fun if Nikki and I sat down to watch some of these movies and I would write about the experience of watching them. Uh, since I was the unaffiliated critic, we decided we would call her the unenthusiastic critic. Because reflect- I have no interest in seeing any of these films. Exactly. I, I guess, so, the first natural question is, why the hell did you ever agree to this? Um, you know, love makes you do crazy things. You don't love me that much. I love you, I mean, sort of. <laughs> sort of. It was... <laughs> Okay, well, let's back up a little bit. So when we first started dating, there were things that we would sit down and watch together, and it wasn't necessarily framed as this whole unenthusiastic critic thing. It was just, this is something that I want to share with you that you haven't seen. So I think there was just always this sort of uh, sharing amongst us that would happen. And so that's what What you're trying to say is I was constantly forcing things on you. Yes. 
that I wanted to share with you. Right. And you were pretending to be interested in them. Yes. Especially in the early Which you pretend a lot when you're dating. You know? you. Um, some things I really enjoyed, Casablanca, I loved. I'm very happy that I saw that. It is now a film that I really appreciate and respect, and I understand why it is a kind of universally loved film. Uh, Buffy, not so much. Um, so, yeah, I think... Oh, <laughs> for the days, the early days of our relationship when I could get you to sit down and watch three seasons of I Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was on board until the key was introduced, and then it was just like, I'm tapping out, and done. Um, so that's kind of... There, that's just always been this the presence of in our relationship is you know you share things with me and I share things with you my stuff is cooler obviously so this has just kind of been a piece of our relationship for a very long time so then when we did when I launched the blog this seemed like a fun series to do fun to you yes fun, it was fun for me yes and it was fun for other people sure because they seem to enjoy hearing you shit all over some cinematic sacred cows. I mean, so here's here's some of the movies that we did for the for the blog that Nakia had never seen until we sat down to watch them together. She had never seen Star Wars. I just which I don't even know how that's possible. I did not enjoy it. She that. had never seen The Sound of Music. Overlong and terrible. She had barely even heard of Blade Runner. I just, his face doesn't move and I don't understand why he has a career. He's he's a mountain face. I do not get it. I don't get it. And it was just that whole it was a problematic relationship between him and what's her name? I just I don't get that one at all. Okay. Uh, so those, yeah, so we watched a bunch of movies like that. I think we watched 25 movies all together, <laughs> something like that. Um, and you can still read those posts on unaffiliatedcritic.com. There's, for several years, we did a horror movie marathon at Halloween every mm-hmm. year. We watched The Thing and mm-hmm. Halloween, The Exorcist, which you had somehow never seen. How, how exactly do you think it is that you never saw these movies that it's otherwise kind of impossible <laughs> to avoid? So I gave this some thought. I think I just didn't grow up in that household. Like, you and I have talked before about kind of how we grew up in the environments in which we grew up. And your mom was very much so into films, particularly musicals. And so there, you were kind of surrounded by those things and you were exposed to them um, throughout your childhood. My mom wasn't super into movies. So we had cable. So what we had was a lot of VHS tapes of movies off of cable. (laughs) So I would see... So my film knowledge is like I have a lot of knowledge of films that other people are like, well, why did you even see that? Like, you have never seen Sound of Music, but I have seen uh, Sliver. Uh, You have never seen Star Wars... But I have seen Hellraiser a number of times. So it was... The films that I saw were these kind of pockets of, of films that my mom loved. And they weren't always... They weren't necessarily the films that would make you say, I love film and I want to see more movies. <laughs> they were... They were shitty. They, they were, were not, shitty movies. Know, what I don't want to say that like those films are shitty. They're just... Those are not the movies that people say, oh, that totally transported me to another space and I get the artistry of film uh yeah no <laughs> so <laughs> I just didn't so this didn't, is true we had very different right. I did not develop that love I mean I also yeah my mother was a huge movie freak and we I grew up watching all the classic movies and that's one part of it and then the other part of it is like my friends and I in high school presumably when other people were out partying and getting laid <laughs> 
would go to the video store and rent a dozen movies and just sit up and watch them all night long. Yeah. And that's like the nerdy side of it. That's that's where it's like the sci-fi movies and the action movies and all of those things that are, you know, worked into my cultural consciousness so that I'll reference them all the time. And you haven't seen any of those either. Right. The stupid comedies, a lot of those you haven't seen. No. The first movie I remember my mom actually taking us to, we saw Boys in the Hood in drive through and that was totally inappropriate because I was not old enough to be seeing it. But that is a seminal film, and every time Ricky dies, I cry, so spoiler alert. Um, so I remember seeing that. I remember going with a group of friends to see Waiting to Exhale. So I think there were, sidebar, I'm black. So I think there were certain films within the black community that were big moments. So like Waiting Next Hell was a big moment. Boys in the Hood was a big moment. And so I, I do remember going and making an, a point to go see those films to participate in that sort of conversation. And it was a shared experience in that way. But there was no, oh, we really need to go see the new Star Wars. Or, oh, we really need to go see Jurassic Park. Or whatever these kind of other films were. Um, you, haven't, at least, you haven't seen Jurassic Park? I have seen Jurassic Park, but it wasn't... You know, opening weekend, I need to go see Jurassic. I eventually saw Jurassic Park at some point. I, I didn't know if I needed that. Probably on cable. Um, and that's and again, this is just like my family and my yeah. the community that I kind of grew up around. Right. So sidebar, I'm not black. <laughs> so there is that cultural difference. I think accounts for some of this. There's also a slight generational difference. I'm 12 years older than you are. Yes. So that's another thing. I mean, some of. Like, I saw Star Wars in the theater when it came out. Right. Which was five years before you were born. <laughs> so I, I understand. There are some things that hit me as these huge cultural touchstones that you may not have had that same experience. Right. And I do think when you introduced me to these films, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s, I do think there's a difference in the way that I experience them. So like Star Wars was probably amazing and mind-blowing when you saw it, and you've never seen anything like that on film before. In the same way that when I saw The Matrix, I was like, oh my god, this is mind-blowing and amazing, and it's something I've never seen before. So I think that that's part of it. It's just, if I had experienced it maybe at a younger age, I would have gotten the magic of it maybe a little bit more. Right. It's, it's a different experience. Yeah. And it's, like, with Blade Runner... Oof. Again, that was a movie that visually was just so amazing, but it didn't hit you that way, mm -mm. in part because like every movie since Blade Runner has right. imitated Blade Runner. Right. So you're like, this looks like every science fiction movie I've ever seen, including the fucking Matrix, which is terrible, by the way. <laughs> Matrix is not terrible. Matrix is great. Um, but then, you know, the, the experience of watching these movies through your eyes has also changed them for me. Blade Runner, for example, I now acknowledge is not a great movie no. in a lot of ways. No, it's The script is not as good as the visuals, let's be honest. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so basically this experience has been subjecting you to movies that you don't want to watch mm -hmm. and making me, in a lot of cases, stop loving things that I used to love. Good. So yeah, it's positive all around. I think so. I think. So I had once worried that we would run out of movies for the Unenthusiastic <laughs> Critic series. Like I said, we did about 25 movies on there, on the blog. But when we had the idea to do the podcast, I'm sorry, when I had the idea to mm -hmm. do the podcast and you agreed with a certain amount of reluctance and hostility, 
I started making a list of movies I suspected you had never seen, and then I, w- I went over those with you, and you confirmed, again, reluctantly, that you had never seen them. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually you lie. You try to say you've seen something, <laughs> or you use your favorite dodge, which is, I've seen parts of it. I mean, I think that that's fair. There are some films that, and this is a testament to, you know, the films that you have chosen have sort of saturated the sort of consciousness and have become shorthand for other things. And so it's just like, oh, well, I've seen Godfather because I've heard people quote Godfather and I know three scenes from Godfather, so I don't need to see Godfather. It's that kind of thing. Or, you know, Family Guy did Star Wars, so I'm pretty good on that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So... That's, that's how I feel about it. Family that. Guy is not a substitute. You know, Family Guy, The Simpsons. Robot Chicken is not a substitute for actually watching the movie I'm, I'm being referenced. Got it. Got yeah. it down. No problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can converse very briefly on a lot of these films based on my extensive cartoon watching. So, this is the plan. I now have a list of, I think there's about 110 movies on this list. We'll see how many of them we actually get to. Before we um, that are generally universally adored classics that most people have seen. Here's the thing. That no one has seen all of these movies. I'm not saying that, you know, any of these given movies, you might not encounter someone who hasn't seen it. Roger Ebert supposedly never saw The Sound of Music. Good for, some for reason. him. But I feel you would be hard-pressed to find someone who hasn't seen any of them. That that's sure. what makes you special. <laughs> sure. So... So the plan for this is we are going to have with each week we're going to have a conversation about the film before we watch it mm-hmm. where we can sort of talk about what you were just talking about which is what you might know about it or have picked up about it through simple cultural osmosis mm-hmm. and then we will go away and watch the movie and then we will come back and we will have a discussion about the movie. Doesn't that sound like fun? No, it's never fun. It is never fun. No. I usually regret spending my time this way. Day after day, watching Buckaroo Banzai drive across the screen in his machine. Making mincemeat of this plane of existence Hey, his boss would say There are customers waiting right here in a line You're wasting time There's a fellow here who needs some assistance So he quit his job at the video store Tore off his name tag and walked out the door Jumped in his beetle and the light turned green When he got into bed he had the strangest dream Of a giant explosion in the burnt-up body of a bug. So, for our first film, as I was going over the list, the one that stood out that I couldn't believe someone had actually never seen was Back to the Future. And I wouldn't even say it's one of my favorite movies. I didn't even own it, except I just bought it to do for us to watch together. But I've seen it five or six times, probably. How have you never seen Back to the Future? Uh, I don't think I was ever interested in Back to the Future. What year did it come out? 1985. So. Okay, so that's part of it, is that I was three. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, it was never, there was never anything about it that made me feel like, oh, this is something that I really need to see. Um, and again, 
through cultural osmosis, I felt like I picked up all the pertinent things. There was a DeLorean that needed to go a certain speed so they could go back to the future. Um, there was the vest. Um, there was... The vest. Oh, the, the, the vest, vest that he wears. Okay. It's a very specific look with, I think he had Nike Air Forces on or something. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of detail well, for I love an outfit. a movie you haven't seen. And there was... Uh, he makes out with his mom, I think. And I think that's it. And then I start to drift into, I think, his other movie that was sort of around that same time where he turns into a wolf and then I have to kind of bring myself back and say, oh no, that was a totally different movie. Um, so I think that that's all that I know. Oh, and Doc, right? Doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I remember that. And that's it. That's all I know about it. Okay, well, comparatively, that's kind of a lot for you to know. Exactly, about enough to have a conversation about going it. In. Well, no, see, this is what you do. Is you, <laughs> if someone wants to talk about Back to the Future... You feel like you could hold your I, own in a conversation about Back to the Future. Well, not a long conversation, future. but I could sort of go, yeah, DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are you expecting from your viewing of Back to the Future? I don't think it's going to be bad. I didn't, I don't think it's a bad... Film. No, I didn't want to start off with something that you would absolutely yeah. hate. That's for next time. Um, I mean, I think it'll be fine. I'm not expecting to love it. It'll be fine. Okay, well, there's three of them, you know, so if you like this one... I probably won't like it enough to watch probably, the you know, rest of do them. do the entire trilogy. No, that's okay. No. It does have that guy in it that I like. Uh, Crispin... Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. You like yeah. Crispin Glover? Because he's weird, but he's not weird in this, though, right? See, who you like and who you don't like is weird. Like, you hate Harrison Glover. Ford. Because his face doesn't move. <laughs> okay. He is an actor whose face does not move. He doesn't emote in any sort of way, and I feel like that's a prerequisite for the job. So I don't understand his career. But you like Crispin Glover. Because he's so weird. He's such a great actor. He's so strange. But I don't think he's strange in this one, though. Is he? Like, he's just a regular... I mean, this is definitely one of his more mainstream conservative roles. roles but yeah. it's, it, he brings his weird vibe. Right, exactly. It, he's all, there's always this little underbelly of weirdness in everything. And I, I love Chris McClover. I really do. <laughs> okay. Do you have any particular feelings about Michael J. Fox? I liked Family Ties. Okay. So I have an affection for him from Family Ties, even though he was a Republican. Um... I don't know that I've seen him in much else. He was, didn't he do, was it News Radio? No, it was uh, Spin City. Spin City. I think I watched a little bit of Spin City, but I haven't seen a lot of Michael J. Fox, actually. Okay, well, this will be exciting. Let's plunge on in. Probably won't be exciting. <laughs> That's a spirit. <laughs> Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. It works! It's a flying saucer from outer space! Now, he's trapped in the past. It's gotta be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. 
anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. For crying out loud, I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. All right, so during the break, Nikki and I went and watched Back to the Future. Uh, she was watching it for the first time. I was watching it for... I've probably seen it five or six times. I don't know. I hadn't seen it in a long time, though. So let's do a little uh, little background here at the top. So, again, the year is 1985. Director is Robert Zemeckis. Uh, Steven Spielberg was the producer. And this was a script that apparently kicked around Hollywood for several years. Apparently it was rejected by about 30 studios before Universal finally picked it up. Uh, When they did, it was a huge hit. It was the number one box office champion of that year. Currently sitting at like a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody seems to like it. Let's see what Nakia thought. It was fine. (laughs) High praise. <laughs> I didn't like That's it. about as good as it yeah, gets here I mean, at the Unenthusiastic Critic. Well, there have been some that I think I've liked. I was more excited and happy that I saw. Not that I'm, not, not that I'm unhappy that I saw Back to the Future. I'm glad to have seen it. I now have that little cultural nugget in my pocket. Though I still hold that the stuff that I've just kind of absorbed by living in the world, I could have had a conversation about that movie and been totally fine. So how much of that was familiar to you? Did you pretty much know all the major beats from other things? all of it, except there was much more Huey Lewis in the news than I had anticipated. So that was a pleasant surprise. No. There was... (laughs) Uh, more xenophobia and racism than I... No. Which, I mean, it's like... That's what you always say. Right, yeah. And then a little bit more kind of sexual harassment than I was expecting. Um, it gets so, kind of rapey towards <laughs> the end there. a little bit rapey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those kind of beats were... I, I was not <laughs> aware of those things. So, yeah. It, it is very much a product of its time. Sure. The, the 80s-ness of it is strong. Yeah. Uh, Huey Lewis being just the most prominent example of it. That's him uh, in the in the band audition scene, by the yes, way. Yes, I did saying, recognize yes. that little cameo saying that they were too loud. Yes. <laughs> wink, wink. So I, real, I realized while we were watching this that this is 2017, so this was just a little over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. That this movie came out. So we are about as far removed from it as Marty was from 1955. Okay, sure. So. So, and actually in the second movie when they go forward, I think they're going to 2015. So. Oh, Obama. Enjoy <laughs> Obama. Please enjoy that time. I don't think that's what it's happens Shit there. gets dark think, pretty quick. I, I think the alternate timeline, <laughs> Back to the Future 2 is... Really? You mean Marty didn't in go some... back and whisper in Obama's ear, one day you could be president? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, let's let's talk. <laughs> no, let, let's get to that later. Okay, so let's just kind of overall. Mm-hmm. What was your impression of Marty? Uh, I mean, overall, he seemed like kind of the quintessential '80s teen high school hero guy. Cool, but not too cool that people can't relate to him. You know, he was fine. He seemed like an asshole a little bit to his girlfriend, though. He was, like, checking out other chicks while they were... Like, he when was, was he checking out other chicks? They were walking down the streets, and two girls in, like, leotards or something coming from working out walk by, and he literally basically does a 180 and turns around and oh, looks at them. I, didn't, and, I yeah. guess I didn't notice that. He has a I was probably looking at the chicks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer's way out of his league. She's way too cute. Jennifer him. gets more out of his league because in the next two movies, Jennifer suddenly becomes Elizabeth Shue. Ah. The original Jennifer. I think she had to leave. I don't think she was fired. I think for some reason she had to leave the movie. And Elizabeth Shue was the new Jennifer. It was yeah. even more out of Marty's league. There were a lot of casting uh, uh, changes. Apparently they originally wanted Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox was not available because he was working on Family Ties. Mm. And so Eric Stoltz. Stoltz! What I don't know, where, where is that from? What are you doing? That's a thing. That's a thing? Yeah. Okay. You want to do it again? Stoltz! Excellent. So, yeah, Eric Stoltz was the original Marty. They shot, okay. with, they shot with him for about six weeks, and apparently the reports are that he didn't seem to get that it was a comedy or something, that it, it was just not coming out as funny as they wanted it to be. Oh, that's he was like a method actor guy and mm-hmm. was serious... The footage I've seen of, seen of him in it, he looks very serious. He looks like he's in a different movie. That's interesting. Altogether. He is very good in Prophecy, by the way. I highly recommend people okay, check it out. Okay, that's one of those movies that you like <laughs> that nobody else like. You don't, you know, you haven't seen The Godfather, but, <laughs> but I have you're seen a big the prophecy fan of Prophecy many times. That's, this is what I'm dealing with here. Okay. So, yeah, getting back to... Yes. Uh, Marty, yeah, Marty's... I realized watching it this time that Marty doesn't really have any arc. Like, you would think that he would learn something or change in some way. He doesn't change at all, really. He's not no. He's not a loser when the movie starts out. He, I mean, he's got, you know, a hot girlfriend, yeah. and he's in a band, and he's, you know, he's doing all right. And then at the end of the movie, he's changed his parents and everything, but he hasn't right. really changed well, at all. Well, he's learned a little bit about them, I think. I think he's... He's, he sees them maybe from a different Yeah, but is that good? I, I mean, yeah, probably not. Probably <laughs> lost some respect for his dad. But. And his mom. And his, well, yeah. Who? She was. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the mom. Fast and loose, that one. <laughs> <laughs> she, Lorraine, was a bit of a slut. Lorraine let's. was, well, let's not slut shame. Let's not, I mean, it's great. She was very uh, sexually open. And honest about how she was feeling. She, t- okay. First of all, she was basically ogling him in his purple Calvin Klein underwear while he was sleeping. Apparently. Yes. Yes. And then she's basically feeling him up, like right from the start, yeah. like under the dinner table. I think that's my. Like, like I don't that's... have a problem with you want to be, be free, be free. But she goes in fast, pretty fast and hard. She's, she does. Yeah. Yeah. There's no middle speed there. Okay, so then we have his father. Yes. And we're, and we're skipping all over this movie. Okay, yes. so we go to the... We gotta go... Let's let, let's go back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so for some reason, Marty is best friends with this weird old scientist guy. Yes. 
we, we don't know how that relationship came about. Wouldn't you be, though? If there was an interesting scientist in your neighborhood, wouldn't you make friends with him? <sighs> I would. He's a bit odd. Well, he is odd, He's but... a bit of a weirdo. I feel like Marty's parents would have worried about Marty spending a lot of time with Doc Brown. His mom was drinking vodka and making prison cakes, <laughs> and his dad was getting beat up by his boss, so I don't think that they were paying a whole lot of attention to what was going on with Marty. That's a fair point. Not a lot of parenting going on here of any kind. No. Doc Brown was the surrogate father figure exactly. apparently Marty always needed. Exactly. Okay. So, Doc Brown enlists Marty in this plan to test the time machine. That poor dog. I, I, I knew when he put the dog in the car you were going to have issues with the dog. Let's talk about that. It's just not right. You're subjecting the dog to unknown science. That dog could have came back looking like the dog from the thing. It's just not cool. It's not a cool thing to do. Nope. I, I think... I think People for the ethical treatment of animals probably would have yeah, objected. And it's not even like he did, because he said, right, he said when he did that, this is, you know, temporal test number one. Yeah. It's not like he, he tried this before. No, well, the, uh, certainly he couldn't have known for sure. No, no. No. I actually read something online that said test audiences for this movie were not told it was a comedy, and they had the same reaction you had. They, like, were expecting something horrible to happen to the dog. <laughs> When the dog went into the car. Still could have been funny, though. <laughs> but that didn't happen, so the time travel worked sure. with this plutonium stolen, stolen. from Libyan, Libyan terrorists. terrorists. Who apparently studied at the Benny Hill School of Acting, the way that that whole scene played. It was very... It's, it's a little cartoonish. Very cartoonish. And, oh, we just happen to have a Scud missile in our VW van. <laughs> sure. Well, they came prepared. Yeah, well, they're Libyan terrorists. <laughs> yeah, so they always look like that. What are you going to expect? Yeah. That's fucking terrible. <laughs> that should have not made it past editing. Unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. Again, it's a sign of the times. This no, is totally the Reagan 80s. This is... <laughs> that whole subplot is a little unnecessary, actually. There's really no need... <laughs> just say he stole the plutonium There's... from a lab and just leave it at... Like, we didn't need to have Libyan... Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah, there was really no need for no. all of that extra no. racism. No. Okay. So then Marty goes back in time. He gets yes. stuck in the machine. He goes back to 1955. He, uh, you know, encounters his, well, his father first, who is peeping in windows. Yeah, because that's what you do. From the tree across the street. That was apparently the moment where Marty's parents met. Right. But instead... It's a nice little circle of perverseness. There's a little circle of perversion there, yes. Yeah. Uh, and instead, Marty ends up... Hit by the car. Hit by the car. After the peeping Tom runs off, he goes in, and his mother falls instantly in lust. Yes. With him. Yes. Okay. That all works for you. Well, no, none of that works for me. I, none of that works for me, but okay. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. And then now we've screwed up the timeline. Yes. So now we got to fix all of that shit. Butterfly effect. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> we can call it that. Uh, and then what else? So let's see. We got that. So we got the two goals here are to... We got the power problem with the car we need to fix. Right. And we have to reunite. And we have to get Crispin Glover and Leah Thompson 
to Bone and make Marty. Yes. Before the photograph disappears. Correct. Okay. Well, so then the next people he encounters, he goes to the... Is it the diner? Is that when he goes, or is that before? Uh, I don't know. Sure. It's right around then. Right. So, well, that gets to my point of him, you know, planting the seed in Goldie that he will one day become mayor, which... What, and what's your problem with this? Well, the whole idea that this white savior has just come in... And opened up the world to this black man. Did you know you could be mayor? And I can't with that. So there is a very funny series of videos on Cracked.com mm-hmm. called After Hours. Mm-hmm. And they did an episode on Back to the Future and they discuss this very point. And one of the guys makes the point that apart from getting his parents back together, mm-hmm. the only two things Marty does when he goes back in time that changes anything are... He gives the black guy the idea to get into politics. And invents rock and roll. And he invents rock and roll. Took that away from black Chuck people. Berry yeah. the idea yeah. to write Johnny B. Good. Right. So now a white man invented rock and roll, and then the black And basically man started the civil it. rights movement. Right. Yeah. yeah. You have a problem with that? All of it. <laughs> All of it. Yes. Because with the rock and roll thing, you take one of the... You know, the largest contributions black people have made to American culture, and you give it to Michael J. Fox. Well... Who then benevolently... So this is something that is known in geek circles as the bootstrap paradox. I don't know why it's called that. But it's, you know, leaving aside the incredibly politically incorrect aspect of it. Right. It's then the interesting question of, so who actually wrote... Johnny B. Good. Uh, well, it would have been... So he heard it in the future. Right. As a song that Chuck Berry wrote and performed. Right. But Chuck Berry got it from him. Right. I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> you don't really care, do you? I don't really care. It's just fucked up. Like, it's just... <laughs> another thing that was not necessary. We didn't need that. Couldn't you have invented Huey Lewis in the news? How about you do that? <laughs> that I would have been fine with. That probably would have gone over better at the Enchantment Under the Sea I dance. Think so. I think that would have been more I popular. Think so. Huey would have been a big hit his, like, with that crowd. Because basically Jimmy the only black people in that town were Goldie. And the band. The Floor Sweeper and the Reefer Smoking Band. The Reefer Smoking Band. Who were called Spooks. So that was a nice little throwback. Yeah, but that was by Biff or somebody. Well, that was his friends, you know, yeah. He's the bad guy. Okay, let's talk about Biff. Mm-hmm. We see in both timelines at first as the bully who, yes. you know, has George pretty much under his thumb. Yes. And then uh, is pursuing Lorraine. Is that what we're calling it? On the side. Yeah, that's what I was calling it. What are you calling it? Sexually harassing her. Um, repeatedly <laughs> and then nearly raping her before being stopped that scene probably would not be in a modern family comedy no the that would be a different film rape scene which yeah. went on for quite a long time went on for a while. he was in that car with her for quite a yeah. long time hand all under the crinoline it was yeah, not her good. legs up in the air not good, <laughs> not good. <laughs> 
So yeah, that is a sign probably of times that have changed a little bit. Have they though? <laughs> Considering recent news? In movies. I'm not saying in oh, life. I'm I saying, see. yes, what sure. we can get away with in movies sure. is that you can have Biff be the rapey guy. He just, yeah. I mean, he's an odious character. He's supposed to be an odious character. I just feel like there's some factory that pushes those guys out. Him and what's the kid from Christmas Story? I feel like they all sort of look. They have that same sort of. They have the same sort of Neanderthal look about them, where they just have not fully evolved. So, not a fan of Biff. And what about George? You 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 declared yourself a Crispin Glover fan. I think he did a great job. Because, and I was expecting him to be a bit less weird than he was. I thought he was very much like the straight character. Um, but he was weird. He was, yeah, weird and kind of a perv. And, and kind of a perv. So I pre- I, I A little socially. Crispin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get Crispin Glover, you, you let him, you know, be a little weird. I don't, if memory serves, I don't think he comes back for the sequels. I don't remember if they recast or if they just shoot around him or something, but mm. he's... I was apparently not interested in doing more of that. He had to go play, you know, a number of serial killers and things that he went on to play that more naturally fit his talents. Okay, well, we haven't talked about Doc Brown yet. Okay. What do you well, tell me? Tell me what you thought of Christopher Lloyd's Doc Brown. I liked that character. I thought it was an interesting character. It sort of reminded me a little bit of. Um, his character from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that sort of same manic eyeball acting. Um, <laughs> it was good. I thought he was great. I love Christopher Lloyd. Um, okay, so what what was your favorite part of the movie? I don't think I had one. Well, you sound like you almost enjoyed. I mean, it was fine. This Do movie? I need to watch it again? No. I guess I would say my favorite part was when uh, he, when uh, Michael J. Fox punches Biff in the little soda shop place and mm-hmm. then does the impromptu. Invents the skateboard. Invents the skateboard and <laughs> proceeds to you know, take them on a cartoonish chase around the town square. That was a nice little set piece. Oh, so you like, you like the action sequences. Is that what we're calling it? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. sure. Why not? Why not? Action set pieces. Yes. And your least favorite part of the movie? Um, the racism and the rape. <laughs> so, thumbs up for skateboarding. Thumbs down for, for racism casual racism and sexual assault. And sexual assault. General perviness. Yes. You're a tough critic. I mean, his plan, when they were making the plan for Crispin to be the big hero, he literally said, okay, I'm going to go and sexually harass my mom, and then you come in and stop That That was the original plan, yes. And it was nice of Biff to step in. Sure, so that it wasn't incesty. It was just... Well, it had already been incesty because Lorraine was into it with Marty. She was super into it. Yeah. She pulled that dress down about as far as it yeah. could go in a PG movie. Yeah. And was all about... Parking. Parking, mm-hmm. yes, as we call it. 
But fortunately, Marty didn't have to go through with that, and Biff took on the role of the the rapey guy in the plan. Yeah. You're you're finding fault with the plan. The idea that you would plan to sexually assault your mother so that she could then marry your father. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I, I I have a problem with that. Interesting. Okay. Anything else you have to say about this film? I have no interest in seeing the sequels. How can you have no interest in seeing the sequels? I have no interest in seeing them. Don't you need to know what happens next? Absolutely not. I imagine they they go go to the future. They go to the future. Okay. That's great. Wonderful. And then in the third one, they go to the Old West. I vaguely remember something about that. Yes. I actually like the third one better. I think everyone likes the third one better than the second one. I think Can't second... you also talk about the privilege oh. of time travel for white people? Okay. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Where did this... Okay. Because black people can't just be going across the timeline all willy-nilly. Where do I go back? Exactly. <laughs> Tell me where I land, where it's going to be cool. Well, the Old West. Sorry? You know, I think they go back to like 1850-something. And that's going to be good for me. Is it not? Say the year again? 1855, I think. Mm-hmm. What are your concerns? Emancipation Proclamation oh, when? <laughs> Later. Right. So, if you are a person of color, time travel is not <laughs> the fun time that the movies uh, portray it to be. It's like when people have those theme parties where it's like, oh, to do this, you know, the 50s or the 40s. Like, fuck you. The Roaring 20s. Exactly. That was not a fun time for everybody. Flapper dress my ass. No. So time travel is white privilege. Yes. Yes, it is. That's a fair point. And we don't, we, I'm not even sure about going into the future because we really, we would think that, you know, oh, I'm going to 2015 is going to be totally revolutionized. Now that Goldie's been mayor, everything's going to be better. (laughs) No, 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 my friend. No. So, I wouldn't even feel good about going into the future because... I'm, I'm sure by 2015, Goldie has, you know, cleaned up, for example, the police force no. in Hell Valley. No, Goldie has not. Goldie probably didn't stay in office long. That's what I'm saying. Well, he, he is the mayor in 1985. Right. Sure. You're saying 30 years in the future, Goldie's probably not Mm-mm. there. No. So. No. It's like Obama. There's... There's Obama, and then there's the a backlash. backlash. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And who the fuck gets elected with a gold tooth in the front of their mouth? <laughs> Nobody, no black man could ever. No, no, no. The people of no, Hill Valley no, are very progressive. They are not progressive. No. So yeah, that film was about xenophobia, sexual harassment, and white privilege. And Huey Lewis in the news. I, I feel like that's redundant. That Huey Lewis and the News represents all those other things? Yeah. I don't know their oeuvre, their catalog, so I don't want to make any judgments on that. Okay, then. Anything else? No. I don't feel in any way edified. I mean, you needed to see Back to the Future. Did I, though? Again, I feel like I had the kind of top lines down, so... But you do these things in the wrong order. See, my argument is you need to see the movie so you understand the references. And what you say is... I have already gotten all the references. Sure. So therefore, I don't need to see the movie. Yes. You don't see how that's backwards. I think in some cases, it could be, uh, it could be a problem. Like, 
the here's looking at you kid. It's it was good to see Casablanca. I even though I understood the context of the line before, it was good to see the movie. It was good to see the film. It was good to see Bogart say it. I did not need to see Back to the Future. I had it all. DeLorean, 88 miles per hour, Doc, vest, Nikes, Biff, Crispin Glover. You have a real thing about vests. Everything about costuming, I enjoy costuming. No, specifically vests. Oh, because asshole an alien was wearing one of those yeah. fucking members-only vests, and he was, was a big bag. <laughs> <laughs> he was a terrible person. He left Ripley and that little girl in there to die, and it was fucked up. And he was wearing a fucking vest. Was that the 80s as well? Was yeah, that, that just the decade of that, vests? That was just, you know, a year or two after this, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we all wore those sleepless vests in the 80s. That That's just, that was just the look. Unfortunate. You know, you're making a value judgment about it. Well, <laughs> I've seen two movies with vests and I didn't really care for either of them, so. Okay, I think we're done here. <laughs> I think so. That's our show. We want to thank you for listening to the very first episode of The Unenthusiastic Critic, and we hope you'll tune in next week when Nakia encounters her mortal enemy, the Broadway musical, in the form of the 1965 Academy Award winner for Best Picture, My Fair Lady. I hate musicals. You love musicals. I hate musicals. If it's not Yul Brenner's aspect of The King and I or The Wiz, I really have no use for musicals in my life. She's really looking forward to it. I'm really not. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, check us out in prose form on unaffiliatedcritic.com, and follow us on Twitter at Free Range Critic. In any of these places, we encourage you to let us know what you think of the podcast and suggest a film for Nikia to watch. Please don't do that. If she hasn't already seen it, and let's face it, she probably hasn't, we'll think about discussing it on a future episode of The Unenthusiastic Critic. Till next time, remember, true love means forcing your partner to watch movies they really, really don't want to watch. Divorce is looming. Not auto tuning anything. It so that I sound, you know. Who would you like to sound like? <sighs> I mean, Tina Turner would be good. Janis Joplin would be good. You know, auto tune it so that it sounds like I've been drinking Jack and smoking cigarettes my entire life. That's the image you want to. I mean, it's not about portray. an image. It's about well, no, it is what you're saying. I want that Basically, sort you want to be cooler of, than you actually you are. Know, I've swallowed gravel. Ain't I sexy voice? That's that's what I want. You could just smoke a lot and drink a lot of whiskey. Well, and that might give to, you the voice that you're looking for. I don't want to destroy my body for it, but I would like to have it. <laughs>